Hello and welcome to another edition of the Solid Rock Minnesota podcast, a place to swing by for a brief moment for some stories or news and things to ponder. It's a place to take a small pause from your busy life. So grab yourself some coffee or a mug of tea or a pop, as we like to call it here in the North Country, and kick back for a moment. Take a breather. Sitting here at the kitchen table this morning, I've been watching some of the grandkids playing out back in the field. At first they were just running around and wildly chasing each other, but now it looks like they're organizing some kind of soccer drill, and I'm pretty sure eventually it's going to become a game, I'm guessing. Watching the older kids with their six-year-old little brother brought me back to when I was a kid. I'm the youngest of three kids. I have two older brothers by a few years. I followed them everywhere I was allowed when I was younger. And the great thing was that they would usually let me tag along with them. They taught me how to throw a ball and catch a ball and get hit by a ball, how to skate, how to use a hockey stick how to ride a two-wheel bike and crash gracefully into trees and not cry or tell my mom. All the important things in life a kid growing up in the 60s and 70s needed to know. I idolized and adored my two brothers back then. And to some extent, I still do today, even though they're a little bit more geeky as adults. We were raised in the city where playgrounds existed about every mile away. But they were rarely used by the kids in our neighborhood unless they were on like a rec team. We had the back alley, which literally was an old wagon trail that moved the military troops west in the 1800s. It was a wide and crooked, tarred, perfect place to play baseball. At least as long as we only had first and third base and home plate, which were pieces of old cardboard that we cut into the shape of the bases and plate. The neighborhood was full of large Catholic families, which all averaged about five to seven kids per family. Basically, always there was enough for two teams. Most of the kids were boys my brother's ages. At least at times it seemed that way from my uh, kid sister point of view. While I didn't get to go with my brothers every time they went out to play, they did let me tag along oftentimes to go to the alley and play ball. I'd take my hand-me-down right-handed glove, even though I was left-handed, and chase after them with all the other boys from the neighborhood to the middle of the alley where we'd play baseball for a good part of the day. There, all the wooden bats and cardboard for bases and the one ball we had would be dropped in Mr. Hansen's parking spot. The bases would be set out after discussion about the precise distance, and then teams would be picked. I never was picked for a team because, as I was told, I was going to be everlasting catcher. So in a way, in my own thinking, I was on both teams. As awful as everlasting catcher may sound, it thrilled me to get to be included. I was about six years old and the only kid allowed, and the only girl. Being everlasting catcher meant that for hours I would stand behind home plate and another big kid that was actually playing catcher and not let that ball get past me if it got past the real catcher. It was hard work, and I mean really hard work. Behind home plate in that crooked alley was a pretty good slope down to the street a half block away, and the street was sloped down to the corner where the sewer hole was. If a pitch came in hard and fast and the catcher missed and then I missed, I would have to scramble down to the alley, down to the streets in hopes of getting the ball, or it would be in the street to the sewer hole and, well... You know, if it went into the sewer hole, we only had one ball. After 
a few times of chasing the ball and everyone getting really annoyed at having to stop the game, I learned to catch that ball often. And my brothers, they'd practice throwing balls at me to dive for when we weren't playing in the alley. A lot of ball was played in that winding, crooked alley. When winter came, all of the boys were hockey players on school teams and rec teams. Girls weren't allowed to play hockey on teams back then. But we were pretty fortunate because we had a neighborhood rink that took up the two backyards of the neighbors next door to us. The neighborhood dads would get together and um, flood the backyards every winter. And in the spring, others would get together and repair any yard that was hacked up. I was a little older when I was finally allowed to play hockey with the boys at the rink. When it was winter in the neighborhood, we lived and breathed hockey. When they weren't at their games, the neighbor boys would all be skating and playing at the neighbor's rink. Everyone was welcome to skate at the rink, even if the kid who lived there wasn't home. We would just knock on their back door and ask if they could turn on the floodlights so we could play. Imagine 15 or more kids in your yard, and not one of them is your own. But that was how it was back then. No worries of injuries or lawsuits, and no concern that things would get destroyed. And if you messed up, any parent was free to give you a talking to as if they were your own mom and dad. I would come home from school and get a quick snack and strap on my figure skates. My dad drew the line at his daughter wanting hockey skates back then. This was decades before girls' hockey teams came into existence, so I once again was the only girl out there with a rink full of boys older and bigger than me. And once again, there was a catch to me being able to play hockey with the boys. Because I had girl figure skates with the jagged front edges, I was only allowed to play, you guessed it, everlasting goalie. They insisted my skates chopped up the ice too bad. Try as I did, I couldn't convince them that I didn't skate or stop on my jagged toes. My big brothers would have been appalled if I did. But I wanted to play hockey so bad that I resigned myself to everlasting goalie. Every day, all the time. The boys were really good skaters and players. They skated so well and dribbled that puck so fast it was hard to see it sometimes coming in. But that wasn't too incredible. I mean, after all, all of us were on skates about the time we could walk. We were from Minnesota, where hockey's a big thing. While I was happy to not have to chase that ball down the alley to the street and catch it right before it went down into the sewer, being goalie had its own challenges. Mainly it was how to keep taking hit after hit after hit from the puck to my shins. The boys didn't cut me any slack, and they would fire their slap shots at me all night long. I had welts and bruises the size of a hockey puck all over my shins. If this had happened nowadays and I was in school, there'd be someone asking me if I felt safe at home. I was pretty beat up. It was pretty painful, too, but I wasn't going to say anything so I could keep playing. And then I got a great idea. I was sitting at home and looking through my dad's Field and Stream magazine, and it came to me. I knew since I wasn't allowed hockey skates, I pretty sure wasn't going to be allowed to get shin guards either. So... I grabbed a couple of National Geographic magazines and some black tape that we used to tape our hockey sticks with, and I taped those magazines around my legs as shin guards. I took my goalie stick and started hitting my shins, and it worked. It didn't hurt at all. I put on my snow pants and skates and went out to the rink next door to my spot, Everlasting Goalie. Well, with those shin guards, I became fearless. 
let those slap shots nail me over and over again. It didn't hurt. And then it happened. One of the older boys, who was really, really good, started skating in to shoot at me. I followed him. I moved right. I moved left. And I was protecting that net, just as I'd been taught by my big brothers. And then he took the shot. It was the hardest slap shot ever. And I got my stick out in front of me. But in all that excitement, I forgot to hold my stick straight up and down like my big brothers had taught me. And it happened. The puck hit the stick and slid right up in the air into my mouth. While I had a moment of excitement that he didn't score the goal, I then immediately saw all the blood all over the rink and on my jacket. It was mine. No one ever thought of mouth guards back then for backyard hockey. The neighbor kid grabbed some snow and put it on my mouth. He commented that it was a good save, but I slanted my stick, and that's why my mouth was on fire and bleeding. I just nodded my head. We sat there for a few minutes, and the bleeding didn't seem to stop. My lip had swollen to the point where it looked like the puck was lodged inside my mouth. I tried talking, and it sounded like the puck was really in my mouth. Luckily, my teeth were all still properly located and not loose. I had to run to the house to get the bleeding to stop. But by the time I walked across the two yards and was coming in the back door, the bleeding had pretty much stopped. I was met at the door by my dad, who had just got home from work. He took one look at my lip and said it was time for me to hang up my skates for the night. In my swollen lip, hockey puck still in the mouth sort of way, I begged him to let me finish out the game until supper time. Well, he looked at my lip, checked my mouth and my teeth, and let me go back out for a little longer. As I was walking out, he yelled behind me, Don't slant your stick. That night after I came in, as I was sipping some soup through a straw and watching the Minnesota North Stars play hockey, I thought about how cool it would be to play on a professional team, or any rec team or school team for that matter. I was disgusted that girls weren't allowed to play hockey. Although I never got to live that dream because I was a girl, the one who slammed that puck into my mouth that day did go on to play for the University of Minnesota and then the Minnesota North Stars and eventually the New York Rangers. And that is my only claim to sports fame. Yeah, I could stop his goals and his slap shots with my goalie stick and my mouth. You've been listening to the podcast of Solid Rock, Minnesota. We're honored and happy you've taken the time from your busy day to give us a listen. If you've enjoyed spending a few minutes with us, please tell your family and friends to stop by and check us out. Feel free to leave a comment here and subscribe to the Solid Rock Minnesota podcast. You can also stop by and visit our website at www.solidrockminnesota.com. There you'll find links to our blog and also the local weather here at Solid Rock Minnesota. Always a conversation starter. Also, send us your post office mailing address for a free authentic Minnesota postcard with a personal message to you from Solid Rock, Minnesota. There's no strings attached. Just send us your mailing address and we'll send you a postcard. It's all absolutely free to you. We just like hearing from listeners and see where you're all from. Until next time, may you be surrounded with life, laughter, family, and friends, people who truly know you. Many blessings. Many blessings.